are. Hello, hello, hello. We are live from WGM Studio today. You're watching and listening to Market Overdrive Podcast as my co-host who is not here today. She's enjoying some much warmer weather than what we're enjoying today. Uh, would say, she would say, we are one of the nation's premier real estate talk show. Um, here to obviously raise the real estate IQ of our consumers and give them some uh, fun topics and, of course, information that they can take home on a regular basis and hopefully uh, improve their real estate endeavors. Um, we are, obviously, we're live every Thursday night, 5.30. We just recently switched to this time, so um, today's uh, our second evening show, and we are taking today uh, into a whole other world because we decided to jump 2018 from last week's show of being uh, the market outlook, and we are jumping straight into the big boys in the second week, which is all about luxury. Before we go into the show and the topic, you can follow Market Overdrive on our Facebook page, forward slash Market Overdrive. Obviously, we are on the WGN Network, which stands for We Great Now Network. <laughs> Kidding. Um, and you could also subscribe to their podcast, uh, Market Overdrive Podcast, on the WGN uh, Radio Plus, as well as, of course, go to YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I think we even have Pinterest. Moving on, but without, before we go anywhere, we have to announce and, and obviously mention the people that pay the bills around here. So we'd like to put a special thank you out to Mike Randig and Carmen Carbona, Carbonora of Stewart Title, Tamika Scott with Money Matters Financial Peace, Denise Edenhofer, Denise, I said your name today the, the correct way, of Fidelity National Home Warranty, Joanna Diaz of Credit Rx, Lisa Juzion of Allstate Insurance. So with all that being said, today we're getting into something that's really fun. At least, you know, you don't have to be in the luxury market to buy a luxury property, but I think it's a topic that fascinates a lot of people in this world. Um, we, as always, at Market Overdrive, bring in some of the best in the industry, and today's an exciting show because we got some real big players that have done a lot in this industry here on our show today, and um, I want to introduce first with us, uh, Michael, I don't want to say it wrong. Michael Lafito. Lafito. All right, because... Just want, don't want to mess it up. Michael Lafito. Yes, sir. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Michael is with, um, <clears throat> excuse me, well, you well, go I, by I, the luxury listing specialist. Yeah, I have two hats here. Okay. So I'm with, a couple hats. I'm, a, I'm an agent with Conlon Christie's here in Chicago. Okay. And then I run a luxury consulting company um, and the founder of the luxury listing specialist certification for real estate agents and brokerages. All right. Well, yeah, tell us a little bit more because I'm holding something really fancy here. Not a lot of people come on the show that actually write books. Well, it's a gift, too. Thank you, man. So, you have to sign it, though. Right, After the show, no you're signing this. So, yeah. So, we, we you know, help agents and brokerages um, with their marketing, how to, how to sell high-end homes. In most marketplaces, the luxury properties aren't exactly moving quickly. So, uh, we assist them to, uh, you know, get them sold and give them a little bit of a boost in their strategy and marketing. With that being said, you can't have a luxury home without spending some serious money inside it. And when you spend some serious money inside your home, you better hire somebody that knows what they're doing. It's probably not a good idea to do it on your own. So what do we do? We go out and find who I think is one of the most renowned, known... Uh, I mean, I've known your name long before I ever met you. And uh, funny enough, I met you last week. Yeah, it's pretty and, funny. And I've heard your name over and over and over because every time I walk into a fancy hotel, every time I walk into a nice restaurant and the commercial stuff... I haven't walked in anyone's house yet, but I know you've done a lot of houses. Your name pops up. Oh, it's Rocco. Rocco did it. It was all you. You were like a one namer, like a prince or a Sinbad, right? <laughs> yeah. So don't even have me trying to say your last name because I don't want to mess it up. You want to try it? Do it. 
Ladizio. Ladizio. Rocco yeah. Ladizio of Slick Design Group. Slick Design USA, that is. It's a pleasure to have you on our show, man. Thank you so um, much. to finally meet you as well. Love your work. Love your stuff. Tell us a little about yourself as well. How'd you get started? Why? Well, Design? I've been doing this for 30 years. And, um, oh, so you just started recently, huh? I just started. Okay. And our, we primarily feature and uh, design hotels, nightclubs, restaurants all over the country. And we also dabble in residential and yachts. So Yachts? Yeah. So you know something about luxury? I think we know a little bit about luxury. A little bit about luxury. So the residential stuff we're going to focus on, I mean, okay. we've been in a lot of great projects. And, you know, it's funny, before we actually went on the air, we just had a conversation about a house that the three of us knew. Right, you know, um, for those of you that are watching that are not from Illinois, uh, Burridge, Illinois, is uh, a very affluent neighborhood. A lot of luxury homes, a lot of large homes. Um, <clears throat> you know what? Before we jump into the house specifically, in a funny story, and how we all have something in common with that house or know about it very well, um, let's first and foremost get a definition from two people on different sides of the spectrum. By the way, if I every so often I want to, you know jump out of my position in my career and I'm like if I left what I do which I love what I do I've been doing it for 23 years myself um, what would I do and you guys both have my jobs just so you know so it's a little too late for me to be a serious competitor but I envy the position I love houses love walking through them love seeing them love the just the, the concept of the marketplace um, fascinated with architecture with that being said, you can't really have much of an architecture without the design aspect, especially on the interior. And some of the stuff that, that people just come up with is just amazing to me. Like, where do you get this from? Where do you even start with all this stuff? So for me, uh, this is a fun topic. Um, and like I said earlier, you don't have to own one to appreciate it. Um, but the reality is, it is the topic of the show, the most dangerous game to play in, in real estate. Um, and I want to... Uh, Get a breakdown from both of you guys what you define as luxury, because luxury can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and we'll share that around the, around the room. What do you consider to be luxury, quote-unquote, luxury? Well, that, that's a great question. So I speak across the country. Uh, earlier this week, I was in Crown Point, Indiana, doing a training, and uh, some of the agents said, well, we don't have luxury here in Crown Point, and um, I beg to differ. Every area, uh, part of the country, part of the world has luxury. So I personally define luxury as a home that is valued at three times whatever the average sale price is for that given market. So, you know, Rochester, New York has a different average sale price than Davenport, Iowa, which is different than Chicago, which is different than Orange County. So three times whatever the average sale price is. So if the average sale price is 200000 I would define luxury as 600 and above. If it's 500 1.5 and above and so on. So uh, luxury, and I also have a definition for high-end. I defined high-end real estate as two times the average sale price. So if the average sale price is 150, I would define uh, high end as 300 and luxury as 450 and above. So obviously luxury being the very top of these categories. Correct. Okay. Rocco, your opinion. Well, uh, I don't define I don't find these projects by value or price like he's saying. Everything we do and we've been involved with has been luxury and very high end. So the 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 gamma of the size of the projects and the scope really is different than, um, sorry. Yeah, I'll uh, put the mic though. Um, the projects that we're doing and we're involved with, everything was very detailed, very oriented, very high end. 
but sometimes it wasn't high-end as in the whole project was high-end. There was just maybe a high-end part of a project that was maybe a medium-end project. Oh, okay. So, so like, we've done variables of all levels from $10 million project in Rancho Mirage on the golf course mm-hmm. to a $10 million project in, you know, in the suburbs of Milwaukee to a $1 million project. Mm-hmm. All of them, all of those projects had in incredible amount of detail which made them high ends but not valuing it at the cost of what the real estate was so when you say high end with the amount of detail in your definition is putting a lot of detailed and effort into something is you, are you also calling it luxury or just high end no luxury luxury yeah okay all one and the same to you correct okay so i so a little different it's so a little we, different yeah, we have high end we well, have different careers yeah. you know you're literally I'm only assuming, Rocco, that at, at some point when people get into, you know, enamored what they want and they're trying to build right. something that's dreamful or fascinating, money is usually not a very big topic. It's about the project at that point for a lot of these people, correct? It is. Okay. But we've we've noticed in the in the past that at some point the money does come the up. budget comes up. And when you're told we don't have a budget, just have fun with it, go with it. And then they come back to us and say, well, why is this X amount yeah. instead of this amount? You know, and, right. I, and I go, I thought we didn't have a budget here. And because we work really well with budgets. Right. Like we did a really amazing home in Fox Point, which is right on the water and uh, on Lake Michigan up in suburb of Milwaukee. We were given a specific budget and we met that budget. And it was the coolest $700,000 house that we did. And you would never know. Which my, you, my goal is to make it look like we spent $2 million right? and work with a budget. But if you tell me there's no budget... Then there's no budget. There, and all the people that have told me that... Well, it's like... It's, it's, have always come back. It's like say, going into a restaurant. It's all you can eat. And then all of a sudden you cut them off on the second right. plate. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't do that. You have right. to be... You're clear with what you're doing. But So, I mean, you can make them work within a budget. Right. Um and I think that this is where the, the conversation gets interesting. Well, let me give you my point of luxury. Yeah, what do you define <clears throat> luxury as? A little bit of both. I'm a little bit closer towards yours, Michael. But I personally see it as what I would consider in excess of the neighborhood. Or I should say what, it, what I would consider in excess of you and your family's needs. Yeah. Like if you need to be in a certain school district for your kids because you're, pro- you're, you're really intent to putting your kids in a certain school district or you're really intent to be in a certain neighborhood because it's close to work or whatever it is or you just want to be by the water like you said earlier every market has a standard average but at that point anything above the average is a luxury sure so if you if you want to be in let's say uh, let's go into Hinsdale sure because of the, the school district uh, it's got impeccable high school <clears throat> but the average home in Hinsdale is I don't know. You'd know better than I would. Nine hundred thousand or a yeah. million dollars. Any dollar over that, so to speak, unless you were in a bidding war and you had to be there. But when you start going to you know one point four, one point five, one point six, you're just really just tacking it on because you're going to be fine with four, five, six bedrooms and three people in your family. <laughs> yeah, I just true. just call me crazy. I know families that are like ten people living in a two bedroom house. So right. you know, do you need it anymore? Is the question. Correct. And me and Rocco had the yeah. conversation on the phone earlier. Yeah. You don't need an eight hundred dollar pair of shoes. You can easily go buy, buy a pair of eighty dollars shoes and still get by. But people buy it. 
Right. Why? You, you don't need a Bugatti. You don't need a Lamborghini you don't, to get to gonna work. You're going to get to work just fine in a yeah. Nissan, right? Yeah. Right. But you're doing it. So that sure. my definition of luxury is, is, is just in excess of what you need. Now, needing a good school system for your kids because that's where you want them to go to school or this is the neighborhood you want to live in because maybe the crime rate's a certain way. Whatever your sure. need is in life, I'm, I'm a swimmer or I'm a surfer, so I need to be close to the ocean. These all have a need factor in there. Yeah. But you don't need... A, thir- a 1,300 square foot bathroom. Sure. Nobody does, right? No. I mean, no, nobody does. So that's my definition of luxury. But, you know, teach. So above and beyond the practicality, basically. Right. Yeah, above and you don't need 16 TVs in your house. Right. You probably only really need one to two at the most. Yeah. So. My mentor, by the way, used to say, Dan Kennedy, rich people have big libraries and poor people have big TVs. That's one of my favorite quotes. That's a good one. Well, I'm gonna. I'm never letting you come over to my house. <laughs> I'm throwing have my both, te- right? I'm throwing have all both. my TVs out before you come over. So, with all that being said, let you know. I want to get into some scenarios, some things that we've all done or seen um, when it comes to uh, some people in the luxury world that have really won and how they've benefited. And then I obviously, you know want to see where some people have really just blown it out and then when they went to go sell their house they just they shouldn't have been surprised but they should have known better that they weren't going to get every last dollar back from the sale yeah so if you can give me something um some great success stories i know that people have made some big money just in flipping any house whether it's a two hundred thousand dollar house or a three hundred thousand dollar house they've made a nice little profit on doing that project but give me some more stories like in the luxury world where you've seen you don't have to share their names obviously but where people have actually won big in luxury by making the right moves. Well, first off, I'd say is you need to own the numbers. So a buyer, an investor needs to know the end game, right? So first off, you make money in real estate if you buy it right. So many people think you make money on, on, on the sale, but if you buy something that's undervalued, you're already walking into it with equity. So you make money if you buy it right. But the second thing is you need to do your research and you need to know what the resale value is. So, you know, in the Chicagoland market, I, you know, to keep it really simple, I, I would define luxury as like a million dollars and above and unfortunately unfortunately in most suburbs and even in a, a lot of downtown area that million dollar plus price point is what we call a buyer's market so and in every market across the u.s across the world at some price point the shift occurs from a seller's market a seller's market is when you know multiple offers you sell it right away um <clears throat> you know you get above asking price there's parts of the u.s that still get that but at some price point the shift occurs from that market to a buyer's market. Days on the market increased. Uh, homes are selling at a, a substantial discount. Right. Uh, showings occur far and few between. So at that price point, a, a buyer has to know what price point that is because if they're getting into that game, they need to understand that that quick turnaround and sale is not going to be unless you substantially discount it. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter what marketplace you're in. Any buyer that sees a house has been sitting around for nearly a year knows they should go in guns blazing at that point with their offer. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Right. So it's only going to be that much worse when it comes to luxury stuff that's been sitting around a year plus. So if you get it at a great price or you say, hey, this is my trophy home. This is something that I want to call home. And whether I take a substantial loss because I'm bringing in an interior designer and and over improving it, but I'm okay with it because, you know, this is this is, you know, my legacy or whatever it might Mm be, then then fine. But, you know, there was a house in my market that just sold for two point one in the Wheaton area and it just went back on the market for one three and, 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 and it's less than 10 years old. And so. 
you know, you need to know as as you overbuild some of these right. properties that the exit strategy, you know, unfortunately divorce happens, job changes, you know, whatever it might be, and you might have to relocate. And so many people don't think about that when they're in the, the midst of, of building these McMansions. No, right. they're permanent. Everybody goes into a construction project thinking this is where I'm going to die one day. Right. Right. That's what sells them in, in consistently spending more and more than they really should. Um, but the reality is it doesn't always work like that. Life happens. Life happens. So I guess... Did I know, answer the question, though? I mean, yeah. I, it was a long, drawn-out <laughs> response, but uh, well, but I think it's important for a, a, a consumer to know an exit strategy, and is there a market for that exit strategy? You did. You did answer it in a lot of different ways. And I think that you said, for the most part, what I gathered was buying it at the right price having the right budget, and then expecting where you could sell it. Down, like, What is the realistic price that could sell fair? Not Don't overshoot it because you think you're going to sell the first $3 million home in a neighborhood that's never seen over two. Those right. are some expectations that should be minimized. And I think we're speaking right now from not just a homeowner's perspective, but also from a flipper. Because I think what you're starting to see is the regular uh, flipping market is starting to dry up a little bit. I mean, it's right. all over HDTV, and right. everyone's trying to be a flipper, sure. at least part-time, if not full-time. Everyone's um, trying to be in real estate, some but, capacity. But you've got to be careful. Now, you're going into luxury, and this is why it gets really dangerous. Yes. These numbers are bigger, much bigger. So if you buy a house that should be worth $2 million, finished and completed, right. and I contact you, and I'm the purchaser because it's a great deal, maybe it needs a lot of work, but the square footage is there, the location is there, okay. the neighborhood is affluent. Uh, and I buy it for a million. And I want to make a 20, 30, 40% profit on this. It needs work. And you're going to tell me if you're going to do this, do it right. Don't walk into this project and essentially take And I'm not knocking on Home Depot because it's a great place sure. to get some stuff. <laughs> but don't build it flu- like all the way flush out of Home Depot. You're going to need some mm-hmm. stuff in here mm-hmm. that a $2 million buyer is going to want. Because you tell me that if it's finished, it's worth $2 million. And that's when I contact <laughs> this gentleman and say, hey, listen, man. We have a budget. No, there's, this is not a no-budget project, right. but can you do something where I could sell this thing for a couple million dollars and maybe only spend five all in or six all in to get me to a point of saleability? Is that doable? That's doable. Um, we have different scenarios. So we have clients that come in and really don't care about the budget, and they let us do what we want to do. Then we have clients have very specific budgets, and the one thing about us is we are architects and designers, so we understand uh, we understand the 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 cost value of everything. So sure. I want to specify something and do something that makes it look like we spent more than we actually have budgeted. That's the trick, and do, that's where you get your knowledge by doing it so long. Do, so, do you ever have consumers ask you uh, for your personal opinion? In other words, hey, am I am I personalizing this this new build or this remodel too much towards my style, or are you catering to what's in? So, like the scenario that comes up for me a lot is, you know, you have this big home. Like for example, I sold a property in River Forest. It was a house that was over two million dollars. Okay. It was kind of nicknamed the taxidermist house. Okay, okay. a lot of animal heads <laughs> in, inside the home and that sort of thing. 
but it, it had some personal uh, taste to the, the owner. And so when I'm helping a seller, I always tell the seller to to cater to the majority. We can't right. be all things right. to all people, but based on market trends, based on market research, based on you know what that National Association of Realtors is telling us what buyers are looking for, right. you know, I try to take the seller's emotion out of it and say, remember, we're not selling, it's your home technically, but we're, we're trying to cater to the majority, it. right? So when you're working with somebody, does that conversation ever come up where you're actually saying, now keep in mind, this is pretty eccentric. We talked right. about a right. property off air previously. This is pretty eccentric. You know, have you ever thought of, um, you know, resale? Um, you, do you ever talk someone off the the ledge a little bit and try to get them to neutralize a little bit within their palate, within their taste? I do. <laughs> and, uh, okay. and most of the clients that we have kind of already appreciate our style and are on the same page with us. It comes into effect if they were going to do this as an investment. And uh, you, can, you can finish up. Don't <laughs> worry about it. it. If it, it if it comes into an investment situation, I'm going to advise them to do it in a trend that will help sell, and that's what we do. We have to do these projects so that are timeless. Consulting yeah. and advising and involved. advising. Good. And what makes you good is how many items they agree with you on. That's how good you. Can. So if you're able to sell the idea or sell this concept to a either make this house sell better for a you know a resale situation or even doing a personal thing where it's not that over the top but still beautiful and museum like that's that's what we do. Cool. Well, those are those are the good stories where yeah. we're we're being safe. Yeah, these <laughs> But before we get on to a horror story, we have to do what that noise was is the nitro question. Oh, okay. Which the nitro question today is sponsored to you by Stewart Title. Who wants to take the nitro question? You guys can pick. Oh, I'll, I'll take it. You'll take it? Yeah, take it. All right, you'll take it. In all the homes you've <laughs> seen, you don't have to answer it right now. You can wait and think about it, let it marinate for a little bit. What is the most ridiculous Thing you have seen from a luxury perspective, not just something weird, but like from a luxury perspective where you just left and shook your head and go, that has got to be the dumbest thing I've ever, I can't even imagine what went in their head when they put that in there. Whether it's the floor or a kitchen or something weird in the bathroom or something that they thought, it was just too much, way far and above and beyond where you're like, I just don't even understand that one. Think about that. I, it could be weird. I have... You I have, have you two have a lot of short, yeah. simple answers. Park them. We have to go back. People right. are going to want to hear that one later. All so right. we'll be back in, in about 15 minutes with that one to, to get that answer from you, Michael. But what I do want to go through and what we did talk about, and I don't want to pin this person out by any means. Um, I talked about somebody that I met in, in a luxury home situation. And let's get to a horror story. Um, and, and in all fairness to anybody, anybody that was building a house pre-2008, probably has a, some kind of a horror story because if you're at that cusp around 2006 or seven, no one wants to buy this house and it's just the market was flat. Um, but you know, we mentioned the house and ironically, I'm here we are today, it. you're the listing agent of that house. Yeah. It's a great house. It's a magnificent house from a lot of um, perspectives. It's in a great neighborhood. It's in a uh, great school district. You know what? It's your listing. Why don't you go ahead and yeah. tell us about it? It's, known as, it's, <laughs> it's known not as, my listing. It's your listing. It's known as the Palace Royale. It's in Burr Ridge okay. and um, formerly known as Villetage. And, uh, you know, I don't have all the specs on it now, but it's you know, it's about 30,000 square feet with the lower level. It's got a 22 car garage. 30,000 square feet. 
Yes, correct. Is that the point of excess? 22-car garage. Yeah, I, I don't think um, most human beings need 30,000 square feet. Uh, it's I don't think all of us combined have owned 22 cars in our lives. <clears throat> I've no. only owned like 10, 12. No, maybe. Okay, forget that. So I, I could fill I could <laughs> fill the that. You'll add that up real quick. <laughs> Sorry. Between my kids' Nerf guns and, and, and toys, we could fill it quickly we could fill with it quickly. other things, but maybe that, not This cars. is true. So go ahead. 30,000 30, plus square feet. Yeah. 22-car garages. What else? Yeah, I mean, it's got a 49 by 49 room ballroom, um, which uh, it, it's just beautiful. So, uh, you know, but it's very taste specific uh, uh, to, you know, the potential buyer. Uh, my client, when he purchased it, um, he did a lot of things to neutralize it because right. the, the the original owner, the original builder, um, had a lot of Moroccan, a lot of Middle East uh, influence in the style. My opinion, my opinion was either at back you've then. Been in it. I've been in it. Yes. I was in it before it was with the original owner. And it's a magnificent house, and he he had a lot of passion in it. I mean, he was talking, he was Googling over this thing all day long. Um, the pal- but it is very specific to yeah. your taste palette. Like, what, if you, you're either going to love this house or absolutely hate this house, but he went in for millions, and I don't want to even get into it because you have it on the market. Yeah, but we don't need to talk numbers. A lot of money. Yeah. An obscene amount of money. So go ahead. So, so my client purchased it, and... We talked a little bit, catered to the majority, did a lot of neutralization on the inside, uh, brought in some hardwood floors, softened mm-hmm. up some of the, the wall treatments and so forth, to, trying to cater to the majority because the inside before was... Like a so, timeless design. More a timeless right. design, as you yeah. y- you referenced. And so I've had a lot of real estate agents and buyers say, holy cow, you've done a great job with the inside because you know it, it's really toned it down a lot. Mm-hmm. So we brought in neutral furniture and some area rugs and um, th- the address for the property is because uh, it is for sale sure. 6501 county line <laughs> in burridge um and you you know listeners can watch you know look at the photos uh the the website is the palace royale.com and we did a really cool video we brought in seven luxury cars three lamborghinis two bentleys and two Rolls royces yeah. to showcase the, the every garage. so on i keep an eye on that property just because I'm, yeah. I'm friends with the, the original owner um, and I'm always curious of what what happens with it next. And it's, it's have them come by it again. Will it's you? a staple house <laughs> in Burridge. I mean, you can't. There's a there's a couple houses in Burridge everybody knows, and <laughs> and uh, and it's one of them. That's for sure. And you, if you if you are into the western suburbs, whether it's Burridge, Oakbrook, or any of those Illinois western suburbs, Chicago land western suburbs, you're going to know this house. That's yeah. that's for sure. But now, Rocco, let me get into um, a situation with a, with a house like this. Um, do you the owner comes to you and says actually this owner took it all on himself he really he had a friend helping him he wasn't really? he didn't really officially have a designer that I know for a fact his friend had some design skills but it was really very owner driven this is right. what I want and there wasn't no negotiation so I don't th- I think he didn't hire an interior designer not because of budget because clearly he spent money yeah. right. um, but I think it was just because he wanted to do it he just wanted. He just wanted yeah. to be his he hand on be, it. Be, yeah, I know. But if somebody comes to you with this situation like this, and I haven't seen, I've seen the video, so I know the changes have been made that you mentioned. But before that, I remember what the house looked like. It was very Moroccan influenced. What's that conversation like? And they say, you know, this is what I want, and I want you to go crazy. And you can go crazy because right. you know how to do everything right. from anywhere. What's that conversation like with you? How does it like? Do you warn them this might not turn out well later, or do you just say, you know what, I'm going to take your order and whatever you want, I'm going to give it to you? No, I do. Um, I do have my opinions, and I do warn them up front, and I do tell them, you know, if if this is something that you're going to resell down the road, you know, I think we need to 
you know, I, I give them my comments and my input. I, I really have gone to a point in my life and my career that I could really pick and choose the you clientele know, how, you the work clients. with. Yeah. But I I want to listen to everybody and I and I and I want to work with people. But I, I sometimes have a good way of molding them and and kind of bending them. Yeah. But if I could see if I can't get it to a point, I would never be involved in something like that because that's so personal mm-hmm. and it's about the personality and the person doing something that they're for their own little groove that'll never be liked or appreciated by anybody else in the future. Right. But it's hard it's hard to it's, well, and, but it's hard to say that you so know, this i'm sorry rock go ahead it's hard to say that right to them you know you, you right. have to kind of grant but, their wishes too yeah and grant their wishes because projects like that are very high commission you know high fee jobs and projects and you know but uh, we've walked away from some projects that we just didn't believe in the architecture we didn't believe in the, the direction it was going and, um, you know, sometimes you have to do that. And I, again, I met the gentleman. We became friends. We're still friends to this day. Um, and I made my comment not nearly as prolific in either one of your two's line of work. I, I do financing for a living. And, and I obviously, I see a lot of houses. I see the houses they can and can't appraise. Right, right. I see what comes through my hands. I mean, I have to do the loans for these things. Yep. So I'm in sync with what uh, the appetite is as well. But I told him specifically, I said, you do realize if you ever want to sell this house, you're going to have to literally gut a third of it or do so many changes that you're going to be in tears when you see your Moroccan-style tile thing going on here in the ballroom. The columns. And these columns that are so exaggerated and from like the early whatever. Yeah, it looks like Roman times or something. Right. I said a lot of people will hate this. Not, not dislike hate it but then there will be somebody that will love it right you're really you already have a small pool of buyers in the luxury market as it is well everybody you, can't afford a multi-million dollar house so you bring up a good point so currently it's listed just under 11 million 10 9 so your pool of buyers shrinks significantly shrinks. just and by sheer economics absolutely then you have a very taste specific style of a home so you shrink even more so you have 0 for 2 going for you, you got a small Small pool of buyers based on price point. You have a small pool based on taste specific, you know, style, design, etc. So definitely um, it makes it a more difficult resale task. Right. And there's a good side and a bad side to that property. The good side is your 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 perspective seller right now is you know he bought it at a good price when the tragedy happened to someone that right. overspent. The market crashed. It's the dangerous game that we're talking about. Right. Someone's going to benefit. And obviously, there's going to be a happy homeowner that's going to get what they want when they buy your house, the listing, is, as well. So there's two sides to like who took the correct approach and who took the incorrect approach, I guess, if you will. Um, but speaking of houses that we all know, one that is probably the most famous house in all of Chicagoland, and I have my opinion on this one, and it's been a dormant listing. Owned by the greatest right. basketball player of all yeah, time. I knew where you were going before you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and, and I know you're going to rip this thing apart from a design aspect because my opinion, <sighs> this is my opinion, I love Michael Jordan <laughs> more than I love any athlete in the history of athletes. <laughs> I mean, he is to me the ultimate god of all sports, not just basketball, and he is a big part of Chicago landscape and history. But man, the exterior of this house <laughs> is so bad <laughs> that you literally would have to give your shoes away. Yeah. For someone to like, well, he's pay the tax bill on it every he's year. He's offered to give every pair of shoes away. I'm kidding. But, well, I'm not. Kidding. I saw That's the ad. Serious. You can get like a free, like all 25 year yes. subscription of his shoes. With yeah. it, but 
the exterior of this house is horrific. So, Today, it was once probably really cool in 1992 no. or whatever when it built <laughs> it. Wasn't. I don't think it was, but I mean, it was. It's a very modern house in an area that is not very modern esque. Yeah, it's like in you know Highland Park, Illinois, is very old school, tradition, uh, affluent. So I have to be a little careful because the home is currently listed for sale, <laughs> and so I can't. You know, it's an opinion. Yeah, it's, it's so, not a fact. Yeah, so Michael. it's it's been on for a while. And uh, be honest with you, I'm surprised some billionaire from China hasn't bought it. Just say I bought Michael, Michael Jordan's Jordan. home and I got 23 on the front right. gates. But you know, I've I've talked to um, uh, some folks that you know have some influence. Uh, you know, they've asked me for my opinion on it and definitely have some ideas on how to reposition that property. Um, it's 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 a it's a cool cool home. There's some really great features to it. It is taste specific. Yeah, and. Um, but it's it's dormant, if you will. It's been on the market for you know six plus years. Uh, they contracted a company which I do some consulting with called Concierge Auctions. Uh, Concierge Auctions. When you hear auction, you think distressed property, but Concierge Auctions specializes in that high end space. And uh, they just sold a property in Dallas that was listed for forty three million, I believe, for thirty six million, the highest auction ever recorded in the U.S. Um, and they did have bids, but ultimately um, his price was not met, and um, so it's still on the market. I mean, he's fortunate enough that he could afford to let it sit there. There's no doubt about Michael Jordan's net worth. And we're not going to argue that. And again, you said something about it. You know, I'm surprised a billionaire China, a billionaire from China who's a big fan, hasn't bought it. I try to put myself into that perspective. I just told you guys how big of a fan I am of him, right? (laughs) And I'm not going to even say that I can or I can't afford the house because it doesn't even matter. I can't see myself buying it regardless. Because, I, you know, at that point in your life, it's like, I mean, does it matter whose house it was? You're still buying a house. It's still going to be hard to move. And we were talking about how the game is dangerous. Your fan, your fanatic approach to an individual isn't going to move the house any, any no. Sooner. I mean, this thing at one point started well over like 18 million. No, it was in the 20s. Was uh, it in the 20s? Yeah, it, it was somewhere in the mid 20s, and now it's 14.855 million, and it's been there for a couple of years. I have an opinion on what I think it's going to sell for, but that's my opinion. So, <laughs> Rocco, tell us why this thing's so hard to move, in your opinion. Like, what about this house? Have you seen it? Yeah, I okay. have. Um, what about this house do you think makes it? From a I actually aspect. put an offer in. I had a buyer. We put an offer on it in September. Really? Yeah. You don't have to tell us the price. No, I can't. But uh, but you're going to tell me off the air. All right. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I, I really think that that house is specific to Michael Jordan. It was designed the way he wanted it. Like the Moroccan house. Like the Moroccan house. And what they have in common is they're not timeless designs. That you could still do an over-the-top project and design. But if you just do the architecture so it'll be something that in 20 years will still be relevant and cool, like some of the homes that are being done in L.A. and Malibu were very minimal, very modern, but they're not, they're not very specific to that time frame or somebody's taste. Yeah, taste-specific. And, and taste-specific. Yeah. And these two are two examples of, you know, you got to find the right buyer, you know, and it this is all this is just my opinion and this no, is how a, we this is how we kind of advise it's, people. It's a great opinion and because we're in the business too, you know, with no, no. homes and co- you know, and costs. So all we could do is tell them what we think and then it's up to them to make a decision then based on what they decide, then we decide if we want 
to move this way or that way. Sure. So. You, you use the term timeless designs, and what I've found... Those in, are the ones that move. Yeah. 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 I've found most of the $2 million plus properties in the Chicagoland market are so taste-specific. In other words, the owner right. built it to their style, and I call that decorating. You usually right. live in your home the way you decorate it. And and so when you go to resell, you got to put your taste aside. So if we were looking at a home and it had pink wallpaper right. and, and, and pink wallpaper is not in, you know, you, you have to tell the owner, hey, listen, I personally don't mind your pink wallpaper, right. but market research. So market research is the bad guy. Right. Um, so I was recently selling a home in Highland Park, and it had a green kitchen, had green kitchen cabinets. So we made the recommendation that they neutralize it. So mm-hmm. you might, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, love your green cabinets, but market research, today's buyers, the majority don't. So do we want to cater to the majority mm-hmm. or to the, the buyers? Because 10% of buyers can visualize. In other words, 90% only see the way it is that day or the right, way it's right, photographed. Absolutely. So they can't see past it. I mentioned I sold a home in high, uh, excuse me, in River Forest. It had over 70, it had 73 animal heads. It looked like a taxidermist house. It had a polar bear, <laughs> had a lion, had 30 yeah. animal heads in the family room. Right. So uh, I was a second agent. The previous agent you know, said, no, it's okay to keep that there. But I know that buyers can't see past that. They only see what it is. That's why staged homes sell faster than non-staged right. homes. Clearly, you didn't design that house. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> no, but this, another good thing is that we've been fortunate enough to have people and our clients that are really into architecture. And they understand... Um, what design is, what architecture is, and how to listen to somebody who's in that field and gives them the right direction so that something spectacular comes out. And this this project that we did in um, in Rancho Mirage, California, was right on the golf course, Thunderbird Golf Course, beautiful uh, mid-century home. Designed everything from every screw to every lock to every door, and he was a fan of of architecture and a fan of design and i've been fortunate enough to have a lot of fan clients because it's really good to work with if they agree with you and it's not well you know, it's if they yeah, agree or they're open and they're open they're open and the thing is and, and again we're doing something that this house will look good in 20 years mm-hmm. and it you know it's not something that we have to go in and make redo over. 20 years we, from now. we can't right i mean so you got to pick the right finishes the right colors and and I really push the uh, minimalist, uh, timeless design, and, yeah. and it works for for it in the real estate end. You know, he, he like right, but he was like enamored of of what we were doing, and that uh, you know I showed you some of that stuff. Yeah, it? I'm surprised you said that because I feel like my biggest headache clients are the interior designers or the stagers, or because they they have such. An opinion, and they want it right. to be like their style, and they're decorating, and they're not open because they're not open to catering, to, catering right. to the majority. So for me, it's it's like somebody that maybe did loans and mortgages before, and they they mm-hmm. they know it all, right? They're right. trying to tell you, hey, Nick, right. you know, no, you know, you got to do this, but right. they're they're not experts in it, but they right. they dabble in it just enough. They're experts enough. at what they are experts in, right? But they yeah. dabble in it just enough to think they know enough, but they don't right. know enough. But I think. We have the experience of doing commercial spaces and hotels, and well, we yeah. have to we have to appeal to the masses. We have to make something that lasts right. for a while, mm-hmm. and that's how we got into. We started with that first, and then we got into 
all these residential projects, and a lot of the projects were a lot of the owners of these of hotels, these, yeah, and the, bars you and know, restaurants. these yachts and this, because they loved our style. And it's like, hey, let's do something. But it's not a nightclub in a house. It's very right. homey. Yeah, it's very, it's very comfortable. But again, I try and push them to do something that I like the word timeless so that in 10 years, and you've seen some of our restaurants here. Oh, yeah. Like I've 10, eaten in all years, of them. They, they're, they're still, they're still, you know, they still look good. Not, not, but in residential, it's very hard because we have to accommodate a husband, wife, sure. partner. And if you think and, about and it, you got to be a great salesman, and you got to be able to, you know. And if, if you think about it, to keep a to keep a restaurant or a bar or hotel looking good ten years yeah. later, it's a big deal. That's a big deal because normally. The clients are really tired of something in four or five years. They're like, all right, this is over. I'm done with, you know? Yeah. So, but we got to come back to the nitro question because we don't have a whole lot of time. And so uh, it's it's flying by, believe it or not. And so the nitro question was, again, sponsored by Stuart Title today. <laughs> Michael's going to answer the question. Michael, what is the absolute most insane, unnecessary, luxury, crazy thing that you've ever seen where you walked in and you walked out going, I can't believe I've seen that. I can't believe they even did that to their house. Well, this one's the, the, the one that came to mind was I was marketing a property that had a twister themed bathroom. You know the twister board game oh, yeah. from about oh, fifty wow. years ago, and uh, very taste specific, right? right. Um, and uh, <laughs> that had to be a fun bathroom. That's, that's bro. a great bathroom. Probably if walls <laughs> could talk, right? If walls could talk, or tubs sure, or toilets, yeah, or showers. Yeah. I'm sure there were some stories behind it. Um, but uh, with that being said, I, I saw an opportunity, though, in, in all honesty, and um, because it was such a great property. And although the majority of buyers probably would come in and replace that bathroom, I saw an opportunity to get buyers to talk about it. And I believe that's our job as agents, is to accentuate the best features of a home, downplay the least favorable, and get buyers and agents and perhaps the media talking about this property. So Chicago Tribune did a story on what will $3 million buy, buy in today's market. And it was trains, Trump, or twister shower. And I represented <laughs> two out of those three. Trains was the River Forest home I told you about with all yeah, the animal right. heads. They had a, a train sure. that went around the property. Trump was a, a penthouse unit in the Trump. And then twister shower. So, again, accentuate the best features and downplay the least favorable. But the twister shower was probably the thing that jumped to mind as and far you're just as like, what the unique. Is like, very taste-specific. Well, you hit it. You're you're on the spot for the natural question, but I can't not ask you what is the craziest thing someone's ever asked you to do or like put in where you're just where even you were thinking like, all right, this is just too much. So we were working on this one project here in in, in town, a very very big residential project, and they wanted to put a putting green on the roof. Oh wow. On, on the, but just like a very minimal putting green on this little sliver of a roof, and this all this this house also had a basketball court in it. Well, you never know when you want to golf and you're at home watching TV. No, but you got to go was, upstairs and putt. It was all the way on the roof, though. How high is the building? Five, uh, four and a half stories, and you know it was massive. Uh, Fifteen thousand square feet. Oh. Fifteen thousand square feet, and. Um, you know, it was kind of the 
wildest thing that you know i was requested i mean there's so many you know and i you know that we can have another show we can have another show for some of the weird and some of the weird weird stuff but i thought that was interesting uh, you know and weird and you know he also wanted like a guitar lounge and he just wanted the whole top floor for himself so he could do whatever he want without his wife and his kids and they weren't allowed to go up there which was kind of interesting. <laughs> I've never witnessed anything incredibly crazy. I told you about on the air, or off the air, that you know I had a client that put in like a 50-gallon or some massive shark tank in his house, and it wasn't a luxury home. So to me, that was... Again, taste-specific, right? And I'm like, hey, yeah. listen, this is not going to increase the property value of your house. In fact, this might scare a lot of buyers away where they don't want this even to deal with from a maintenance perspective or just the way it looks. Right. This is for a kid in his 20s. It's in the music industry. This is what this is. It's not a family of five that want to stare at a shark tank. Um, but I thought that was interesting. And you know, last year I sold a home in Burr Ridge for just about $1.5 And before he hired me, he... he well, right after he hired me, I should say, um, he was like all excited because, hey, I just put leaf guards on my gutters. <laughs> the guy invested $20,000 on leaf guards to prevent leaves going in his gutters. And I, had I known ahead of time, of course, I would advise him to invest his money elsewhere because yeah. you're never going to get that on resale. Again, if you're going to move in a home and you don't want to clean your gutters out, fine. you know. Right. But when you're going to resale, so it's really important. Here we are in the spring of 2018. You know, the Super Bowl was last week. If you're thinking of selling... You know, contact somebody that knows what the heck they're t- talking about yeah. and knows resale before you make in- improvements in your home for resaleability. Right. Takeaways. Believe it or not, we have hit the 45-minute mark, roughly. That's fast. That was fast quick. That was, that was, that was fast. quick. So we got to do some takeaways. Um, what's the one thing you want to leave with everybody when it comes to uh, the do's and don'ts, the risks? I think we've obviously covered it, but in a nutshell... Um, from your perspective and your line of work with uh, buying and selling these properties, what's the last bit of tidbit when it comes to luxury that you want people to remember? You know, work with an agent that specializes in luxury. Uh, again, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Uh, most agents don't know how to position these properties through amazing photos, descriptions, videos, that sort of thing. And in a seller's market, you can be a part-time agent, part-time patty, you know, I call them, part-time agent. And s- still successfully sell a home but in a in a that's in the seller's market right multiple offers but in a buyer's market where it's difficult to sell mm-hmm. i recommend agents hire someone that's aggressive thinks outside the box uses social media uses videos uses uses um, you know virtual tours the 3d tours that sort of thing and is hungry and aggressive and has the network has the database of high net worth individuals because because com- luxury commands that type of stuff right. yeah it's difficult so you need to have a, a, don't leave any stone unturned approach Rocco, what's the one takeaway for people playing this game and how to be safe with it? I think what they have to do is if you have an interior designer, an architect, and an owner, mm-hmm. all of them have to work together with the contractor. So there's That's so a- much mis- disconnect. We and then they're passing it- the blame is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if you have an interior designer that is specifying things that doesn't know the exact specifications that should be to the architect and the builder doesn't know, this is how this is how money starts really flying out. And then they'll change a tub five times and then it goes back with us. If we're the architects and we do the interior design, we're specifying and detailing everything and we understand construction. So we work with the contractors and then there's a 
there's kind of a, a like a bridge of everybody trusting each other, and the the owner doesn't have to pay for these extras and changes all the time. Communication, so that's what I've huh? Yeah, communication. And that's what I've seen. And I, I, I everybody could be an interior designer. Everybody could you know be a designer. But I think if you're looking for something very special, it's there's got to be a team that works together. So that's important. I didn't even think about it that way. They all all work together because it was just brought up to me this morning with one of our contractor partners. They said, "Hey, you know, Rock, they just changed this tub. We just plumbed everything. We went off the drawings." I'm like, "You know, we're not the designers, designers. but it was a specific question, you know, and and, you know, we we work with that real well." Out outside of buying this book. Luxury listing specials. You can find <laughs> right it on can Amazon. Luxury it, listing yeah. specials. I'm going to have mine autographed later today. I, How do people get a hold of Michael Lafito? You know, email uh, Michael at marketingluxurygroup.com. Michael at marketingluxurygroup.com. We have a podcast. So for any listeners that are in the real estate industry, our podcast is on iTunes and Stitcher, which is Luxury Listing Specialist. Um, and um, But email is probably, probably best. And they can download that podcast right after they download ours, right? <laughs> yeah, your, yours first. I don't care which one you download first. Just download yeah. both of them, okay, people? Right Rocco, thanks for coming on the air. Obviously, yeah, it was a pleasure it. to have you. It's probably, we still barely met. Yeah. You know, it's like we literally met for 20, 30 minutes the other day. Um, tell us where everyone can get a hold of you as well. Uh, you can get a hold of us at our website, slickdesign.com or slick, slickdesignusa.com or call us at the office at 312-563-9000. We're in Chicago. We'd but you help. work everywhere. I, we work You're an internationally yeah. known designer, so it doesn't matter if you guys are in but Dubai, Chicago, or Chicago's yeah. your home. Yeah. As far as me, it's pretty <laughs> simple. I'm here every Thursday at 5.30. You've watched Market Overdrive. Um, we will be back next week uh, on Thursday at 5.30. You can download this show on our podcast as well as obviously watch us here every Thursday at 5.30 on Facebook Live. It'll be on WGN Radio's website as well as our own website at marketoverdrive.com. And, of course, you can always go back to our video catalog at YouTube and you will see all of our shows with this one as well as any other ones from the past. So I want to thank everybody for watching. We will see you all next week. Thank you to our hosts. See you guys later.